I did, you know, I have to, I have to say, uh, Carrie, we're live, by the way. I, I didn't ask you if you liked the music. Can you hear the music in the background, the Christmas music? No, I can't hear it. No, let me hear it. Wait. Ah, uh, yeah, no, I can hear it. It's quite terrible, isn't it? Well, it's not like Mariah Carey or anything. <laughs> you know, I posted this the other day on Facebook, and I'm very rarely on Facebook. If there's one, and I'm going to get bah humbugged like crazy for this, but if there's one artist that I don't need to hear any more of, it I got to say, it's got to be Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey? I'm just not a, I'm not a Mariah fan. Well, I heard that there's a new one that um, Blake and, oh shoot, what's his wife's name now? Oh, uh, uh, B-A-N-A-N-A-S, the woman the, that I, yeah. the only reason I can spell bananas now. <laughs> <laughs> they came out with a new Christmas song that apparently oh. is very catchy. I heard it on the radio um, a couple of days ago, driving to work. Oh. All right, well, I'm gonna get right on that. Do you have, do you have Christmas plans? I do actually, which is very non-traditional. We are going to Egypt. So uh, we leave um, a week from yesterday. So next Monday. Wow. And, yeah, we'll be there. Uh, not intentional uh, to be like a Christmas trip, but it's really, um, uh, my son plays competitive sports and travels for lacrosse and soccer all the time. And um, all of our vacation time is very limited to either a couple weeks um, over the holidays at the end of the year or July. So um, <laughs> we we picked uh, we picked Christmas really to go for a trip to Egypt. It's a, a bucket list. Oh my gosh! Well, I, so I've been to Egypt. I absolutely loved it, uh, and I was surprised how close a Pizza Hut is to the pyramids. Uh, that or maybe it was a Domino's. I can't remember. There's a pizza joint. It was. I had. Have you, so have you? You've never been. I take it. No, never been. So I'm going to shatter this for you right now. So I imagined going to visit the pyramids. We were going to get in a Jeep. It was going to be this Indiana Jones, you know, adventure out into the dunes. No, it's it's so close to the city. And I had, you know, I don't know why in my mind it was this trek, but um, no. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to liken it to, have you ever been to Red Rocks here? Been to a concert? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in, so in Denver, right? But you sit in um, like the the amphitheater, the stadium, but you see downtown, right? So you, you're in the mountains, like it's this amphitheater, yeah. which is, you know, an amazing concert, like the acoustic. Yeah. Um, and then you see kind of like the plains and then the Denver city and the high rises. So I'm thinking it's kind of like that, right? You're either in Cairo in the city. I'm going to choose to take the silver lining of it. Um, and you see like these amazing pyramids off in the distance or vice versa, right? It, it but, is magnificent. But You're hundred percent right. And it is magnificent. It, it was just shockingly close. And I missed my, my venture into the, you know, out into the desert to go visit it, but it, and it's, it is so your camel ride was like a mile. And yeah, yeah. Sure <laughs> and you'll see the Sphinx and you'll see like all the stuff. I hope you go to the museum that that's a wonderful, I assume you have everything planned out. You have a tour guide or any of that. Yeah. Yeah, and then we're taking a um, a boat trip down the Nile, and then we'll go a little bit further out. Oh my gosh! So we are doing some like intra 
country flights as well. So we'll get away from like the city. Oh, you're gonna love it. Well, I hope you have a great time. Well, uh, are, are you are you ready to get started? Let's okay, it. here comes the bumper. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. going? Are we going? It's a little buggy today. There we go. We're back on. Okay. So thanks for joining us. Uh, I am Chris Hoyt, uh, otherwise known as Marky Mark with No Funky Bunch. Uh, going to be talking to you today. The next 20 minutes, I am your host uh, as you are part of the Recruiting Community Podcast. I'm excited. We do this uh, almost weekly. We do this pretty much live uh, where we bring in a practitioner uh, or leader from the talent acquisition space to talk about stuff that's keeping them up at night, uh, wisdom, you know, uh, insights that they'd like to share. We do that here. We do it in the format of just a 20 minute conversation. So we may hey squirrel, uh, off in another direction, but that's okay. That's what you're here for. Uh, if you are streaming with us, if you're watching us live right now, uh, you can, and you're on LinkedIn, there's a little chat window there. If you want to ask any questions, you want to chime in, uh, questions for our guests, questions for us in general, uh, or just say hello, go ahead and you can do that there. Let us know this thing's working. Uh, if you're on the YouTube or the Facebook, uh, I think we see those messages come through on Facebook. Uh, you can drop a hi in there. We'll let you know if we see it. Uh, but otherwise, on, on both channels, uh, excuse me, in LinkedIn and Facebook, we go ahead and make sure that we answer any questions that may come in even after the fact. So if you are watching this after it's been recorded, and of course, you can see all current and future and past episodes at cxr.org slash podcast. Uh, we'll come back and we'll make sure we get any of those questions answered. As a reminder, this is an ad-free labor of love for us. Uh, so we do this because we enjoy it. Uh, this is not a revenue stream for us. So you're not going to get 10 minutes of conversation and 20 minutes of ads that you've got to jump through. So this is just a quick uh, off the cuff conversation we're going to have. Uh, the thing I'm going to remind you about, however, uh, that we are excited to share with you is that we have launched a new updated CXR uh, directory. Uh, we've got about 350 vendors uh, and solution providers that sit inside of that platform. We've got about 6,000 ratings, reviews that have been collected from our members. Uh, and our membership has designed uh, a massive upgrade for this. So if you saw it in the last couple of months, well, then you haven't seen it yet. Uh, so we're excited to send you there. It's just cxr.works slash directory. Uh, so that makes that super easy. All right. So with all of that, I have a fantastic guest today. No stranger to popping in and out of that window. There she is. Carrie, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> I think we have a little delay here today. We have some tech tech challenges, but we'll work through them. Kerry, um, I've known you. I've known you for quite some time. You've got you've got a history, even as a CXR member. You've been. Um, I think you're Wells Fargo uh, private. You're at Dish Network, obviously. Now you're at Wells Fargo. You were at HP, and I think you were even at Wilson HCG. Yeah, RPO. Yep. So you've you've been in this space a little while. I have been thirty years. It's hard to believe. Yeah. Well, so, wow. So let's do, you started when you were 10. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, so Carrie, for those who have not had the pleasure of meeting you yet, um, why don't you give us kind of an escalator pitch on who, who is Carrie Carlin and why should we be listening to what she has to say today? Yeah. Um, Carrie Carly, my gosh. Um, I mean, I've been in the industry for about 30 years. The um, interesting and fun thing, I think, is that I've seen all sides of the coin of talent acquisition HR. So I started as a 
um, a recruiter practitioner for an agency that I um, really, that was during the dot-com boom and then bust really in Silicon Valley, but I got really interested in um, technology and automation. Uh, so worked for a few recruitment technology firms as a consultant um, implementing the, the recruitment technology um, globally, did some international assignments um, through an uh, old company called Resumix, um, and then really went into multi-process HR outsourcing and recruitment process outsourcing with um, Exult and Hewitt Associates um, back in the day, which is now Aon. Um, and then that moved me into, again, more pure play RPO with a Wilson HCG. Um, I was a recruitment and uh, talent management consultant mm -hmm. for an HR management consulting firm. Um, and then really decided that I wanted to go in-house because I really enjoyed being able to see things through fruition. And when you're working as a service provider on the outside, you're really advising and consulting, but don't really have a chance to see the fruits of your labor or go back and fix things that you made a mistake on um, and then make it better. And that's when I ended up going in-house with HP and then um, Wells Fargo and then Dish ultimately now. Um, here at Dish, you know, I lead all things uh, town acquisition, soup to nuts from executive level all the way down to like frontline hiring, volume hiring, and then our uh, university relations campus program. But it also includes immigration, um, internal mobility is a new program that we implemented this year to centralize all of our internal mobility to create kind of value add programs for our employees to yeah. retain as well. Um, and then, you know, we continue to go through transformation here. Um, for me, the interesting thing with Dish is um, kind of a um, a well-known secret, I guess, is that we're uh, moving into the wireless space uh, to become the fourth wireless carrier. Um, so Boost Mobile, which is prepaid, and Boost Infinite, which is postpaid, competing with you know AT and T, Verizon, um, T Mobile, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's just expanding into new areas. We've had to completely transform our recruitment organization as we transform the business or the company overall. That's a well, that's a big shift. That's a big announcement for those who didn't know. But I'm still I'm still kind of shaking off the flashbacks of like Resumix. I heard Resumix, and I was just like. <laughs> I just remember like way, way long ago in the day. Yeah, they were like, you know, in their heyday, they were the it company around, you know, applicant tracking systems. And oh, yeah, the first. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I can't. I can't. That's a whole nother. You could do a whole nother show on that. So, <laughs> so we look, we got about 15, 20 minutes. And I think the way we kind of presented this was that, you know, we, we know that talent acquisition is is super important to the organization. We're a little biased for sure. Right. We know. Uh, but not all organizations necessarily feel that way. And I think you've got some inputs, um, Carrie, with regards to sort of improving that internal perception of TA with business leaders. Uh, do you want to, and I, I do have a couple of questions I want to ask you, uh, and a couple examples maybe, and, and we haven't prepped for this, uh, obviously, but do you, do you have a sort of a stance on the importance that the TA sort of plays within the broader picture of the business? You want to share that before we sort of dive in, dive in with any questions? Yeah, well, you know, I think from the perspective of having been um, a talent acquisition consultant, so um, really um, thinking of it from the outside in of trying to sell the value of talent acquisition to stakeholders, customers to buy or purchase um, my services, essentially that I was selling, um, like at, at Hugh Associates, um, I certainly saw the value 
and had the opportunity to see how um, you know organizations across hundreds um, of companies were managing talent acquisition overall, and then moving in-house and really a lot of, um, I think I learned through mistake and trial and tribulation making errors um, that talent acquisition in HR in general tends to think that um, they're doing a great job if they just deliver and execute against their metrics or you know hire the people that they need to. But if they're not singing their own praises and shaping the story or message themselves, it often gets told for us. And it's never told in the light or in the manner that we feel we're delivering against. And so that's where you know I think um, driving or managing the internal perception and owning our own story and message internally, uh, which, by the way, is part of what you see this. Um, <laughs> well done. <poster>. Yeah. <laughs> Right. These are our objectives and key results for talent acquisition internal at DISH. But every year we go through a process of defining our key objectives. And one of them at the very top, I don't even know if you can see it, but it's story. So telling our own story internally and externally in order to improve our brand and our ability to recruit um, both internally and externally because it requires like extreme partnership internally and trust with your stakeholders to be able to do the right thing but also help attract talent externally. So I love that because what I think I hear you saying, Carrie, is a little bit about tr the, the transition from, and it's that aspirational goal of advisor and partner, right? But getting away from just being the order takers uh, and really having an impact on the business. So getting past maybe just the standardized metrics of, of what I imagine is time to fill, uh, cost per hire, you know, the, these sort of things that, that good TA leaders do struggle with and, and do excel at delivering on. But you're, what I hear you saying, I think, is there's is, there's a lot more to that to add value to the organization. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'd say, you know, again, I tend to, when I come to an organization, and, and I would say every organization that I work for has had challenges around internal perceptions sure. of the value that the recruitment or talent acquisition function delivers. And quite frankly, it's not a one and done um, from a project or initiative perspective. It requires ongoing care and maintenance and kind of rethinking um, what the value is that the business needs from you at the time or in the moment. Um, so like what I do typically is go in and I do it also on an annual basis, but I'll think of it in terms of meeting with my stakeholders and leaders at all different levels on one-on-ones, doing focus groups or having my team do focus groups to also learn what is actually, what what does the business or the business leaders at all different levels think of us mm -hmm. from a recruiting perspective? What is their perception? And usually, like you said, it's we're reactive, not proactive. We're not delivering um, candidates fast enough. It's not a diverse slate of candidates. It's not a, it's not a you know, all the X, Y, and Zs of what we're not doing for them lately mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, and it's it's typical. You usually hear the same things. And so that's where it's, again, taking that. And sometimes it's, um, like you said, having to reshape the role of the recruitment function. But sometimes it's also just reshaping the message and telling it in a different way in which the business understands. Yeah. So, you know, TA and HR can fall victim to using our own internal speak, even by saying TA, right? Like, what's TA? If you're not living and breathing it, what is it to the business? Um, and so using business speak of what matters, like even from the perspective of, um, you know, I had a learning at Wells Fargo, I didn't want to measure and tell or communicate to the business time to start. 
because I didn't necessarily always have control of the time sure. after offer acceptance to when someone starts. But that's what the business cared about, right? Um, and they don't care about the time that the rec is opened. They care about the time that they asked for it. So really trying to think about, you know, there's what you measure your team against, but there's what you report against to be able to tell the story of what the business needs to understand. And then breaking that apart into things like, you know, time and process um, within that, and then highlighting where there are opportunities and ownership yeah. of where the business can really own and help support the process. Well, well, I think it's a really good call out too. You've got, Carrie, you're talking about, you know, not just business perception, but like what what impacts the business, right? From 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 the work that you do, how does it impact the business? And candidly. I think a lot of times the business, uh, or I know a lot of times the business has very different goals. They're working towards very different things than we are as as TA leaders. So, I guess in in your experience, uh, whether at Dish Network directly or or maybe at some of the other organizations where you, you've just had a great great breadth of experience, how how would you recommend people sort of align TA objectives with broader business goals? So, because because I think that that in, inherently sort of demonstrates the value of TA. So you might have a skeptical stakeholder who says, I don't have time for you, TA, I'm busy working on this or that. I mean, is, is there an approach that you take or a philosophy you have to sort of align TA with those broader goals? Yeah. Disconnected, smartphone connected. <laughs> the smartphone is now connected. <laughs> Perfect. I'm glad someone else has joined with us, Siri. <laughs> Um, so it's a couple of things, and I think of it kind of uh, as a cascading approach. So, um, you know, every year um, we think about what does our business need? We're in that cycle right now. We're actually just finishing up for a town mm -hmm. acquisition, but we think about it from the outside in. What does the business need um, overall? Like, what are their objectives and, and goals for the year? And then we think about um, how does town acquisition or how can we support that? So yeah. I'm going to give a really specific example. The last couple of weeks, we've been planning for our OKR subjects and key results for the coming it's that year. time of year and for everybody. Nobody likes it. Yeah. yeah, we've taken a very different approach. So one of them is instead of going through like what's behind me, right? It's um, uh, we called it seek uh, story experience, um, agility and quality. Yeah. Um, we're taking it actually from the perspective of the business. like enable retail wireless to grow and build subscribers. That's one okay. of them. Um, another one is, you know, we need to um, save costs um, and be more efficient. So what is that, right? And then we translate then what can town acquisition do to support that and drive our like key initiatives um, and objectives overall so that we're driving and aligning what we do to what the business cares about. And then um, we set up monthly and quarterly business reviews. So um, with each business leader, so the EVP level, their direct reports, um, separate from like monthly business reviews, which would be at different levels. So what we've done is we've looked at all of the different stakeholders within the business line and aligned individuals within our recruiting function with the appropriate level. So recruiters are working with hiring managers, right, right. right at this level. Um, on, you know, and they're probably going to like weekly meetings or whatever it might be. Then there's the director level, like our managers are working with the director level and their cadence or sequence and the types of conversations. Mm -hmm. Then there's the VP, SVP level, and then the EVP level. And so we have different levels of communications that are defined for different levels of our recruitment 
function in tier that stack up with the business so that we have a good communication plan uh, across the board for the year. And then at the, so the monthly business review would be another level that, of detail that they go to and then quarterly business reviews. But at the quarterly business review, and that's what we're planning for those now in January coming in for the new year where we do a end of year reflection of how we did quarter on quarter and how that compares to the previous years. And then look at our new objectives or strategies mm -hmm. that align to their business needs. So it's using their speak. And then what is our strategy or plan to achieve those results? And so that's where like changing the conversation to be able to have a business conversation and derive additional value um, and report out the things that are important to us to tell our story, but how that translates to their business. I think the pace of communication at the varying levels and ultimately ultimately up to the, the quarterly, the, the QBR, I think is quite brilliant. Is there is there flexibility? Because um, it's not necessarily a new practice, uh, but but it yeah. but it is certainly effective when you've got the right stakeholders involved. So is there is there sort of a Kaizen approach uh to 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 those qbrs i mean do, do like you're in a very volatile is probably not the right word like in, in telecom like it's just it's it's always on i mean i, I was at at&t for you know a decade i mean it's it's just always on it's always moving it's always go 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 is, is there that same flexibility that the ta team or the ta structure is afforded when working with the business partners that way yeah absolutely um so like as an example um, I mean, we, stepping back, right, um, when I came on board, we had um, very discreet teams mm -hmm. supporting each other's business. Nobody was working out for the same process and all of that stuff, right? And so we've spent the last couple of years just to try and drive things at a foundational level. But it's been important for us to be able to have then fungible resources that they can flex and support different business yeah. needs, depending on what the, the need or volume. So like as an example, Right now, um, I mean, cash, for us, from a business perspective, cash is king, um, and our revenue generating part of the business really needs the greatest level of support. And that's, um, and so we've shifted a number of resources to be able to support that, and then we report against that. And so it might be like to your point, um, we're sharing that perspective yeah. with the business leaders. They understand that we can shift and be flexible to support their varying needs overall. I don't know if that's answering your question, but. Um, it's it's kind of operating at all different levels. Yes, yeah. yeah. You have that flexibility. You don't. You're not suddenly super staffing. Suddenly super downsizing. Suddenly, su you know, it's not it's not a back and forth raise. You're literally shifting those resources and you're shifting your alignments a little bit based on the needs of the business, which yeah. I think is great from a flexibility standpoint. And I mean, along this line as well, maybe this is a squirrel. I don't know. But the other thing that we do is, you know, we've been tracking and trying to predict and forecast hiring needs on an annual basis and then we re-forecast or reset it um, each quarter as well and you know our business depending on the business line is is not great about being able to understand how to forecast their workforce plan or their hiring needs or demands yeah. and so we just use you know it's pretty rudimentary but we do the same thing we leverage um you know what our hiring trends have been anything where we think that the business is going to be growing or reducing for the upcoming year we look at um, attrition rates and assume some percentage of backfills and then internal mobility, which is going to open up additional roles. And so, you know, then then we play that to the business and say, does this look right? Right. Rather than saying, you know, tell me what your forecast is for the new year. Yeah. You know, they they can't come up with that um, themselves. But if we come from the bottom up 
and share with them what their trends have been, um, then they, they're able to react to it yeah. and then help work through a better forecast as well. They get a broader, they get a broader picture of that too. It's no, it's no longer, you know, as siloed. It's funny because, so we have a chat, leads me to my next question. So I think, I'm, I hope I'm going to say it right. Gina uh, Malinas, uh, and I'll put it up on the screen, but it's going to be super big if you're watching. She says, in her last position as an executive recruiter for a large hospital system, TA was only thought of as recruiting nurses and technicians. Uh, I was the first executive recruiter and it was really hard to get executive buy-in. So Carrie, let me ask you, um, what, what challenges have you, have you faced? Not necessarily a dish, but if it dish great, improving that internal perception, getting those stakeholders involved. And then maybe, maybe how did you address that challenge? Yeah. I mean, again, it's all about communication, uh, quite frankly, and delivering against expectations consistently and com yep. consistently communicating that. So, I mean, I even say um, from an executive recruiting perspective. So when I came on board, um, we had had a number of failed attempts at being able to support that internally. Yeah. And so we were outsourcing or, you know, to retain search firms and spending exorbitant amounts of money. And we consider executive being director level and above. Um, and, you know, retained search firms didn't want to take director level positions right. because they just right. weren't at the right level where their Rolodex is or the right, you know, commission compensations. Exactly. Yeah, it's the money. It's always the money. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, you know, we really spent money to hire like a really, you know, dedicated um, executive recruiter and have the right structure. And then honestly, like we were in stealth mode and then started to just get some good wins and then started to set expectations and took like a, you know, a playbook from retained search firms and um, think about it in terms of retained search firms, they set up weekly uh, meetings with mm -hmm. executives and go through and look at, you know, hey, here are the top, you know, 10 candidates that um, are profiles um, that I sourced or that are in the market, like bringing, you know, uh, market data yep. to it, like with, I don't know, talent insights or whatever it is, right, to start the dialogue. And it was difficult, right? I, like I insisted and put on um, weekly or biweekly, and we still have it today with every single executive and my executive recruiter and myself, um, where we're reviewing and talking about the openings, candidates and pipeline status, um, and having like, we're always bringing profiles to the table yeah. to have that dialogue for comparison. But it's, it's really about the communication um, and preparation. Otherwise, honestly, like if if recruiting goes a week or two without some sort of communication with some leader, uh, that leader is going to create their own story, right? Oh, recruiting isn't supporting me. They're doing nothing, whatever it yeah. is, right? Like in the absence of information, someone creates a story. So it's all about staying on top of the storytelling and us telling our story. So it's a lot of meetings, really. Like it's a lot of, but we, you know, executives don't, look at emails. They don't look at reports. Um, I know that I don't, <laughs> I do. um, but I mean, if an email is longer than like three sentences, they're not going to look at it. So we've got to meet our leaders where they are, um, and, and put ourselves like create the, um, the seat at the table, if you will, and just be consistent about it. They can cancel it. Right. But you've also have to, get in with their executive assistants. Um, and that's been that's a big the, thing. That's the pro our, tip right there. 
<laughs> yeah. Our executive recruiting team, um, you know, we've got an executive coordinator and then two like sourcers or, or pipeline developers. And, you know, they they make friends um, with executive recruiter, or I'm sorry, the executive assistant yeah. in order to make it top of mind. And they're using them as a strategic partner for communication with the executive as well. So, you know, we always send like, you know, reports or updates or information to the executive assistant um, to get their feedback. Like, you know, treat them with respect as a valued team member with the executive to say, hey, you know, how do you think, I don't know, Mike's gonna absorb this information? Yeah, Carrie, are you, are you implying that the C-suite doesn't log in to your ATS and check the status and check the staff and like directly? Oh God. That's crazy. Heck no. <laughs> so I hear, I hear you, concise communication, which is, I mean, that's the solution to so many so many challenges we've got in, in almost any space, but con concise communication is certainly key. But let's talk really quickly before we have to wrap up. Let's talk about uh, technology and trends helping support the value of, of talent yeah, in the organization. Do, do you see any, um, and I'm certainly not asking for an endorsement of any of them, and, and you don't have to name one if you don't want to name one, uh, but are you seeing any type of technology or any trend in that tech space uh, that you think will lend itself to sort of up today as that, as that partner, right? As that value partner? Um, as the value partner, yeah. Because I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll gonna let's have us a double click. Am I gonna right click? Let's right click. Let's come back out of that just a little bit. So, yeah. um, we we're talking about uh, technology trends. Everybody wants to talk about AI, right? Everybody wants to talk about you know new systems, and, and we're all waiting on New Year, new budget. We're excited about it, and uh, and an overarching message that came out of our leadership meeting in Napa, right? We had 80, 80 TA leaders in the room with us that day. And one of the messages that came out very clearly was we're reevaluating our tech stack. We're reevaluating our tech partners. We're simplifying, right? We've got a lot of tech we don't use. We've got, you know, tools that sit dormant. We've got tools that we don't take advantage of. We've got tools we don't know how to use because they're just so newfangled and, and fancy. So as your team is sort of looking at this or as you are seeing stuff in the industry, I guess my question is, are you seeing any technology or I'll even say AI, you know, AI generated or language language models that could help with that mission of of raising awareness of the value TA has for the organization. Yeah, so again, I'm going to go back, right? Like being in the space for 30 years and starting, you know, my second job out of college was with a technology company. I mean, the reality is um, there's no silver spoon, right? And there's there's no or silver bullet, not silver spoon. <laughs> <laughs> I am the worst at analogies, um, but there's no silver bullet, um, and any technology firm is what you make of it. So you could have a great one, you have a great partnership, and you really derive significant value of it. But it requires a significant amount of your time and investment as well. Yeah, uh, they don't just go off and you know do wonders on your behalf. Um, and, you know, but, and I think that that's where people fall down and end up um, taking on more um, disparate or discrete technologies yeah. because they're not looking at what they have um, and really trying to make the most of it, or even thinking about where is that um, partner technology company going in the future? Cause they're all trying to 
build a business as well. Um, and so, you know, by the time you acquire a new one, they might be deploying the functionality that you're trying to acquire. So that, that's just like my general thought or perspective is um, overall. But I do think that there are some, I mean, you know, conversational AI for us is um, the next thing that we're deploying or implementing. I know a lot of organizations have already done it, but that will be, quite frankly, as we can see it, a game changer for us to be able to deliver um, the higher touch that's needed yeah. for candidates in an environment where our candidates are customers, we're a consumer-based company. And that's part of our, what we are pitching as re, um, recruiters opportunity to be able to support the business. So we focus on how can we gain subscribers, gain subscribers of Dish TV, right? Sure. Gain subscribers of Sling for streaming, gain subscribers for Boost Infinite or Boost Mobile, like all of these, like that's how we will continue to grow as an organization and what can recruiting do? And, and any organization can think about this, right? To be able to support that. So we're looking at things like, you know, leveraging conversational AI, uh, to be able to not just like keep candidates warm, but give them an amazing experience. Like, are there discounts that we can automatically deploy to our entire candidate population? Right. We yeah. we have a million to 1.5 um, million applicants a year. So how can we turn those into proponents or advocates of our company and our products as well? Yeah. Um, and so those are some things that you know are really important to us, not just from a recruiting perspective and delighting our candidates who are our customers, but also giving them something of value through the process. Yeah, overall. It's, I love it. And it's a, it's always kind of an interesting juxtaposition of, 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 of strategy, right? So if you're on the consumer side and TA wants to get up in your social uh, and TA wants to be part of the messaging that goes out, like the consumer side at a lot of organizations certainly is so customer facing uh, as a dish don't want anything to do with us on the TA side because you were taking away from our one mission and that is to get this click to get this sale distracting for career not so great but if you flip that and you go to the TA side we will take all the coupon codes and all, all the marketing stuff we can get give it all to us because we yeah. will use that to continue to entice the candidates to let them know that we know that they are customers we acknowledge that they are you know that they are people who you know we may be working side by side with um, and we want to delight them as well I love that yeah, and that's a really good example, you know, appropriate for this topic, which is how can we provide additional services or mm -hmm. value add to the business and help bring that to our business leaders? And quite frankly, even in the you know the last month, we've been doing this, and they hadn't thought of it, and they're so excited, like, yay! Yeah. You know, another value point that you know town acquisition can provide for us, and then they're going to think about it differently, um, and then hopefully, then we're a part of aligning our marketing, our communications externally. Um, and then they start to think of us as being um, part of their strategy to go to market. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Look, so uh, I asked this question of everybody, Carrie, uh, when they come on the show. So as we wrap it up, if you were going to write a book on this on this subject, uh, right, increasing that partnership, that value add to the business, if you were going to write a book, what would the title of that book be? Oh my gosh. What have you done for me lately? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I think it's a great book title. Like we're constantly trying to tell them what we're doing for them. But um, uh, 100%. I think that's a great book title. So, present company excluded. This is the fun question. Who gets the first signed copy? 
Oh, Jerry, of course. Oh, that's no fair. Just because Jerry. I thought you're co-writing it with me. <laughs> I'll write the forward or the backward or the, the something. <laughs> All right. So if it's, if not Jerry, is there anybody else in your life you'd give that book to? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, you know what? I'd probably give it to um, a couple of like the great leaders that I've worked with, like um, Dave Scott, um, uh, my our CHRO uh, previously, or Cheatham Genser. She was um, my CHRO at um, Wells Fargo, a phenomenal leader. Um, couple a couple of the um, great leaders that have have really like made an impression on my career and you know who I am as a leader. I love that. I love that. Well, Carrie, look. Uh, I know you're super duper busy. I really appreciate you cutting time out uh, for us and the listeners. Uh, it's Carrie Carley and you can, I had the LinkedIn reference up there. She's not difficult to find. You'll find her online. Carrie, thank you so much for your time today. So much gratitude. Really appreciate it. Likewise. Thanks, Chris. All right. CXR.work slash podcast. Listen, subscribe, do all the things that the buttons tell you to do. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take care, everybody. Have a fantastic holiday. Enjoy Egypt. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.